Cool, cool. Hey guys. <laughs> Welcome back to Model Time. Welcome back. We are still on Skype, still under quarantine. Yes. <laughs> um, but still recording. Today we are doing an episode um, about industry like words and vocabulary that everyone, including ourselves, like at some point in time you like think you know what it is, but then you like realize you don't or they have really loose definitions. So mm-hmm. we we did some journalistic reporting and uh, looked up <laughs> definitions. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, so I don't know. I have a couple things to say off the top of the episode. Go. Um, all right. So, guys, wherever you're listening to us from, subscribe, rate, and review us, please, especially if you're on iTunes. It really helps, like, boost people are able to find us more and hear us more, especially since we're trying to get some really awesome interviews. We've already had a lot of good ones, and they tend to get a lot of good feedback. So, mm-hmm. if I could do that, that would be great. And, yeah, on the topic of interviews, we've been doing a lot of those, and um would love your guys' feedback yes as well um and then yeah I thought it would be kind of fun to mention two interesting interesting things I saw kind of in like uh modeling news lately is one Allure magazine um had a photographer that like hired a model and everything to do a paid FaceTime shoot to publish Mm -hmm. in the magazine which I thought was pretty cool and encouraging um that people are starting to see the value in the FaceTime shoots as being like a a good resource for advertising. And then um, Gigi Hadid is pregnant. Yeah, her and Zane. Yep. She's pregnant. She just announced it, um, which is cool. I was looking it up. She's, oh, I meant to look up how long they were together. They've been like on and off for a couple of years. Yeah, I feel like it's been a while. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I see because I don't watch I don't have cable anymore I feel like I don't get a whole lot of the um kind of the like celebrity news and being so on top of it as I feel like I used to know everything yeah I think I just follow e-news on Instagram and that's how I get stuff otherwise I don't have cable either so I don't <laughs> but I'm excited for her that'll be like a insanely beautiful child oh yes it's she's gorgeous gorgeous <laughs> um yeah oh cool um Jump into the words we did um a, we put a questions thing on instagram um and we got some suggestions from you guys and then we also have some that you know uh we either wanted to learn or we know gets thrown around mm-hmm. okay i want to start with the model relating ones i guess yeah, sure. Okay. So the first one we have is mother agent, which I know got mentioned a lot in our last episode mm-hmm. um, with our interview specifically. So your mother agent really applies to like the first agency you're with. And then when you get pushed to a new market, they are like the controlling force. So mm-hmm. for me and Nicole, like our mother agency would be Ryan's artist. And then if, when and if Nicole gets placed in like a New York agency, Ryan's artist would still act as like the mother agency, and then her secondary or her other agency would be a New York agency. 
So your mother agency still takes a cut of your profits and they help facilitate um, work. And then the New York agency is just your main point of contact when you're working in that market, basically. Yep. And your mother agency stays on top of any other agencies that you're with um, so that they still make sure things like you're getting paid for jobs, um, even though they're not the ones actively giving it to you. So um, they're a really good resource for an extra set of eyes on your career and making sure you get paid and that you're treated fairly. So they're, they're great to have for um, models, especially if you are wanting to be in multiple markets. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like an overall manager once you shift to different markets, which is yeah, nice way to put it. Yeah, and yeah. typically though, from what I understand, your mother agent, like you and I wouldn't be placed then at another agency in Portland. They would be your, your hometown agent as well as your mother agent in other cities, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's usually like a 25 mile radius. So like, I know that gets tricky with like, uh, specifically like California, like sometimes I think you can have an agency in San Francisco and then in LA because they're so far apart. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it gets tricky. They usually try to keep from what I remember, the standard was like 25 mile radius. So if you're in a state that's large enough to where you could have like two at opposite ends, you can do that. But otherwise, like for all of Oregon, it's usually like, yeah, there's Portland's the main hub. So just keep one here. So, yeah. 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 Cool. The next one on our list is comp card. Another one that we've talked a lot about, um, but just to give it kind of a clear explanation. It's like a business card, but it's really big and it has your pictures on it <laughs> and it's got all your measurements on it too. It's like a, a form of a large business card. Right. Yeah. Typically it's, it has your digitals on it or it has a little bit of an elevated set of digitals that are still clean um, next to no Photoshop except for lighting and um, my dog's growling. Sorry guys. And also... <laughs> done by a professional. So regardless, it's, it's, um, you in your most basic state selling yourself to the client. Mm -hmm. But not, I've seen a lot that have like fashion photos and stuff on them too. Um, which I think are cool. I think it's cool, but I don't like it as much cause it's not as clean. I feel like, like, like mm -hmm. leave your fashion photos for your book or your website. And usually the stuff that's put in your digitals are pulled off of like what would be in your website book. Um, if it's not just a digital, which we'll get into what a digital is. Um, but I, yeah, I prefer like a cleaner look because then you can see like more of your natural features than just like the fashion one. Yeah. And when I kind of first started getting more into prior to having an agency, um, wanting comp cards and wanting a book, I really leaned more towards the side of including like fashion photos in it because that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't quite realize, you know, the book is there to um, show off your work. The comp card is there to get jobs. Mm -hmm. There's a difference in my opinion, like one follows the other. I think you lead with your comp card and you follow with your book. Yeah. Um, while we're here, Digitals are, 
Um, did you lose her, like, the rawest photo of you that usually, like, your agency takes? And it's there to replace, there to be, like, your starter thing if you don't have professional photos yet. So it's usually you and, like, for women, it's usually, like, they have you come in, like, skinny jeans and, like, a white t-shirt or a white tank top. Take some really basic photos, like, pretty much no makeup. If you do have makeup, they usually just have you put on, like, a little bit of a light base and a mascara just to emphasize your natural face. But Like, like cover up a pimple that you don't always have. Yeah, it's no done-up makeup, though. And then they'll have you usually take pictures in a form of swimwear or, like, just a bra and a panty. With men, they'll have you take photos usually, like, again, in, like, a t-shirt and jeans and then a couple probably of you shirtless and some, like, boxers or some briefs. And it's just basically so your client, the client can see you in your most raw form of your body and your face and your hair and like your eye color so that they can totally like see what you look like. Right. And you don't want to overpose at all. They don't want that. They don't even want to see you trying to like stick your butt out. They don't want that. They want really natural. Um, Basic, pretty. That's what it is. (laughs) <laughs> have to like smile if you are an edgier model I mean you can definitely serve up your face but give some variety mm-hmm. and um yeah you can definitely too um take these at home on your iPhone if you feel confident that you have a clean enough well-lit space and you're able to create the correct angles and stuff it's not as easy as it sounds but um yeah. agencies when you're submitting specifically <laughs> Um, a lot of them just say to take iPhone digitals and they'll tell you specifically what they want. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's basically what a digital is. Yes, but they're challenging to take it home. So I always prefer, prefer to go into the agency and let them do it. It's <laughs> tough to get at home, but I've seen people do it, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm still uh, trying. Anyways, what's next? What's next? Ghosties and castings. Um, uh-huh. In my... From my knowledge, uh, they're the same thing. Um, yeah. I, I don't think you call a runway casting a go-see. I think a go-see is more or less when you go... Well, no, I guess it... A go-see is well, more when you are meeting with a designer. Because sometimes you'll uh, have mul- book multiple design- designer meetings. Like, they're not even castings. They're just, like, meetings to see if they even want to use you in a day. Yeah. I think it. they have you try on clothes and... Yeah, that's what I traditionally know as a go-see, or sometimes they'll call go-sees if you have multiple agency meetings in a day. So those are usually like quick meetings. Maybe they'll have you try something on, maybe they won't. A casting to me is a little more formal where like you're doing a walk, you're Mm -hmm. actually probably trying on multiple pieces, you're taking photos. Like it's a little more of a formal thing where a go-see is just like back-to-back, do we like you, do we not like you kind of scenario. And from what from what I understand, um, a go see is by invitation. It's a meeting, and a casting can also often be by invitation. But a lot of times, you'll see open castings. Um, no, yeah, you're right. Go sees are usually more exclusive and more personalized to the client wanting to see you specifically, and not just anybody. So, and from what I remember on America's Next Top Model, which like if you want to watch what go sees look like, and obviously you know those ones are more curated and but they're it's a good example. I've done something similar to that with agency meetings, not with like a designer meeting, but I've done go sees in the form of agency meetings and they're the same thing. They're fast paced. They're quick. Like she, Tyra did a good job of showing what it actually is. So yeah, you got to be on your game. You're delivering your brand. So that is the difference there. Mm -hmm. Um, Amuse. 
Yes. (laughs) I know this one, um, we've talked about this before and it, but this one kind of has a, um, ambiguous definition to it. And I don't know so much that it can be solidly defined. I think it always has some opinion base, but we'll share ours. Uh, yeah, it's like, to me, it's just like the inspiration, like, you basically become a designer's inspiration for like a season is how I take it because it's never lasted for me more than like maybe a year or two when I'm someone's muse and it's more just like you're their it girl like you're the model they're designing for you're like their woman quote unquote you're the woman they're designing for um so they take you they probably like memorize your measurements and when they're making pieces they specifically maybe create a line towards you or create looks towards you So it's just like a form of an inspiration in my book. Yeah, I see being a muse as being, um, you know, the, I'm just going to say designer, for example, yet you can be a photographer's muse and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, The designer reaches out to the model, sees them in some way or another, and they're just very inspired by that model's like personality and personal style that um, because of that model, they are inspired enough to start creating looks for that type of woman. And um, it's not just one look. You're going to be amused, like Devin said, for I think at least a year to two years is what like would define amuse as opposed to kind of like the the popular model for the um, designer. But I don't really know if there's set. Sure, I think it kind of depends. Yeah, I'd say like that. It's kind of like an opinion. I'd say like a year is a good call because I most of the times where I've considered myself a muse, it's been like a year of of stuff or a little longer. And that's like two seasons. That's a good amount of garments. That um, that's enough to show that you were an inspiration. I think. Yeah, I think I'm only. This sounds weird to say, but there's only one person I can think of right now where I'm like a form of a muse because she told me. And I was like, that's so nice. But oh. <laughs> um, Sharon at PFI, thank you. <laughs> Portland Fashion Institute. Yes. She's oh. like, anytime I make a collection, I think, what would I put on Devin? And I was like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that. And the last one is a look category I just threw it in here because we kind of talked about it already but it's as a model just knowing um the the categories you fall into like with me I know that I'm a little more editorial a little more edgy like I don't do commercial that well I can but not really whereas like Nicole can do really crazy editorial but she can also do very like girl next door so I think it's just knowing your strengths and what your look plays into And understanding um, that oftentimes, like, what you enjoy doing doesn't always match up with where your strengths are and learning how to balance that and everything. But it really is just cut and dry where your where your talent or whatever falls. And that I don't even actually want to say talent because so much of it in this industry is bone structure and just what what emotes out of you when you're on camera um because somebody who's like let's say just super like sexy and sultry Mm -hmm. 
you know, that just by the way they look maybe means they don't fit into another category, which doesn't mean that I don't want to say anything's like impossible. You can obviously clearly overcome and become whatever you want. But if you don't want to drive yourself crazy and you really want to be successful in the industry, I think figuring out your look category um, is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess clothing yeah I researched the couture and haute couture oh then go for it because I'm always curious about this one and I've never like sat down and looked it up I don't think anyways okay so couture is a French word and it means like sewing or dressmaker Mm -hmm. and in order for something to be considered couture it um, has to be fashionable like a form of fashion and made to measure So it's made specifically for the client that's buying it. Um, From what I could understand from researching things, uh, this means that you can create um, similar couture looks for multiple clients um, as long as they're made to measure. Whereas haute couture, this one has, it gets thrown around a lot. So just because someone designs couture does not mean it is haute couture. Mm -hmm. And um, haute means high in French, so high fashion. There are specific rules to qualify as haute couture. Um, You design one-off pieces for a specific client and you don't create similar ones. Um, You must have multiple fittings with said client. You must do these fittings in a workshop that employs 15 full-time staff as well as 20 full-time technical workers. Um, You must present a collection of 50 plus designs both day and evening looks to the public every January and July. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Yeah, hope <laughs> usually is um goes along with the next word where they have their own private studio and like private house where they oh, allure. Also, I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> so that's what um, when I said that they have to have a workshop. That's yeah, that's the word, the atelier. Yes, they have I mean them. I could totally be pronouncing that wrong. I think, I think that's right, but I think that's right. That's fine. Um, and usually, I'd say most of couture or haute couture fall into like the fashion houses, which is just um, a brand that has established quote unquote their own house, has been here long enough, and has their own identity to where they create things from the house sometimes there's multiple uh hi puppies labels that come from that house but like the house of chanel like it's started by one by coco but now it's been passed through to many people and they've created a couple different brands based off of chanel but it's still all under one house like yes mm -hmm. I think the oldest, um, the oldest fashion house and most expensive brand is Oscar de la Renta, followed by Gucci. Hey, sorry, everybody. I'm alone with the dogs today. And Luna just got her stitches out. So she's like ready to just be a monster and has so much energy. Luna. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple that are, aren't really around anymore. Like the House of Wharf used to do really beautiful gowns. And I think there a lot of them are housed like in museums still, which is cool. But mm-hmm. um, I just saw the, um, oh my goodness. It's I just saw the Tour <laughs> collection at the Met um, back in March. And it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're in museums. And 
And I know from a podcast that I listened to that fashion houses, um, you will have like designers or the, the, um, head designer or creative director at a fashion house will be at multiple big ones. So like Jean-Paul Gaultier yeah. um, did not start with his own brand. He started as, oh crap, the fashion head of... Um, I believe he started uh, with Dior and then he jumped, right. he jumped to a different one. You can be heads of multiple houses. Well, one at a time, but yeah, you they'll, it's like a musical chairs yeah, like Mark Jacobs started as the head of, I think he was also a head of Dior at one point, and then he's made his own brand. Like, that's, yeah, that's kind of what happens. Yeah, so that's a fashion house. Karl Lagerfeld is um, probably one of the most well-known heads of um, a fashion house, and he has been in multiple houses, but um, at Chanel the longest. And I believe he was the longest standing um, head creative director of a fashion house in the history of fashion houses. I, I believe so. And if I'm wrong, please let me know. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm searching him at one point for an episode. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Next. Oh, so we're on to photography related um, mm-hmm. definitions of words. Start um, editorial. Yeah, this is all about the mood and usually like the concept, I think, because most of the editorial stuff I've done is really edgy or weird (laughs) or like, it's just not very normal is what I would say. There's usually a really high art concept. There's usually a a good team around it. Um, Like it's not something as a model I could just do with with a photographer. I maybe could, but it's usually takes like a really cool makeup artist, a really cool designer to all like jump in together. And I think it also, like we're talking about, it goes with the model's look. So Mm -hmm. like I'm an editorial look, like it's going to be more of an editorial shoot. Yeah. I never know how to interpret this word because I hear it in two ways. I hear it the way you describe it. And then I also understand it to be specifically for a magazine. And a while ago, um, the photographer Nigel Barker had an Instagram story where you could ask a question and I asked him how he defined editorial and he said anything that is specifically shot for and published in a magazine. So if Vogue reached out and said, we want you guys to shoot this concept, here it is. And then it was shot and then published. That would be an editorial regardless of the size of the magazine. Now I have like a mixed opinion on it. I think, I think that there's multiple ways you could define it to me, at least. I think the main definition is supposed to be like, it's supposed to be something that is a pub going to be a published work. And then after that, it, because fashion magazines are usually so out there and weird, it's become its own style of like edgy, weird, like fashion stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I agree. Um, yeah. So that's a hard one though it does get thrown around a lot too yeah and I um I also think that it def it differs between markets like I think here in Portland um because we don't have like I feel like like you know we don't have Vogue headquarters and we don't have um uh Bazaar Harper's Bazaar headquarters and stuff for us, editorial is more the the concept and the the work behind the shoot and the styling and all of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, so I think it, it can vary that way. It, yeah, you guys tell us what you guys think it is because I, I like hearing people's opinions on this um, question. I actually, I didn't think of this early enough, um, but this morning I just decided to um, message a bunch of famous photographers that I follow on Instagram and ask them what they define it as just to see if anyone responds. So I'll follow up on that with you guys, but okay, next, test shoot slash TFP, what are they and what's the difference? Uh, yeah, that's test shoots I think are, uh, to me a test shoot can be more formal because I've had test shoots set up by an agency before where it's yes. like a photographer's reached out and like wants to work with the agency and it's a potential that they usually use to build your book for the agency. Um, it's totally free. Like you don't pay for it. They don't get anything from it. They usually have their provide clothing or something, but, um, yeah, they sometimes have clothing. They sometimes provide their own styling. They sometimes provide their own hair and makeup to me. A test shoot is a little bit more of a formal thing though. That's kind of how I define a test shoot. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, there, whereas, TFP I see as more of um, a collaboration for um, it's it's more I guess I see a test shoot as being more beneficial for the model and the agency um, whereas a TFP shoot is more it's it's um, supposed to be mutually beneficial because yeah. I know that there's some situations where agencies have in-house test shoot photographers mm-hmm. that get paid on the payroll. Um, but it doesn't come out of the model's pocket or anything like that. And so they definitely are more formal and they're geared towards what they're being used for. Whereas trade for photo tends to be not quite as specific. Yeah, I would agree. Um, uh, and just a quick note on both of those. Um, if you typically what I find a test shoot does come with a model release and a lot more detail behind it. Um, TFP not always the case in either situation be prepared with a model release um, so that you don't end up in a situation where you get zero photos back or you get heavily photoshopped or they end up being sold Um, we have many episodes on that but i just want to reiterate it Mm -hmm. Um, or something even just some form of some kind of agreement in writing like you texted messaged over instagram hey i'll make sure to deliver you four edited photos and we'll agree on which ones they are and then screenshot it yeah, because honestly, there are some photographers who also won't accept a model release because, like, they, it's not that recognized as a thing because uh, a photographer release is more meant to pr- protect the photographer. So, like, a model release is like, well, you're the subject of it anyway. It's a tricky subject. So. I, I decided to make the commitment to always having one because I kind of want to set the standard, but. Mine is written in a way that it protects both parties. It's just kind of an agreement that neither of us will overstep. Like I won't sell and they won't sell. I won't edit their work. They won't change the shape of my face. Um, Those kind of things. That's in my opinion, I guess we could have put model release on here. Um, In my opinion, it should be designed to protect both parties. And when you do sign one that comes from a photographer, it does tend to include um, the photographer's rights to the photos and things along those lines, but legally they do own the photos. So I don't think you should be too put off by those comments, but you definitely need to read them. Um, and so, 
you know, I, I've decided to take that step, but it also doesn't always feel necessary to everybody. So if you have more questions on that, you guys can always reach out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Advertorial. So I recently learned this term, like back in September, mm-hmm. um, I was in a, I was in a magazine for a designer um, and an advertorial is, it's like a, it's kind of a small image. It's like, I guess in a magazine world, it would maybe be considered a thumbnail image, but it's not tiny anyways. Um, and it's a little highlight of what's being sold. So the designer garment or whatever, and it's not a full spread ad. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's typically like half a page or a quarter of a page is, um, how I understand them to be. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's just a, like a smaller ad. Interesting. Yeah. I had never really heard that word thrown around. So I was like, yeah, okay. I hadn't either. Um, when I was going to New York for the first time for Fashion Week, I sat down with um, a makeup artist friend, uh, Zoe De La Rocca, here in Portland. And she is from London and she's worked London Fashion Week and New York Fashion Week. So I was asking for her for advice. Mm-hmm. And I was asking her how to present all the different work I've done. And she, she gave me a name for it. And so it's kind of a polished way to deliver it because, um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway. (laughs) So this next one was sent to us by, um, Instagram photo, not, I'm sorry, not Instagram photographer. (laughs) It was sent to us on Instagram from the photographer at Mr. Johnny Mango. Um, and the word that he gave us, or the the term, is implied nude, which is a really great term, I think, for us to talk about. Yeah, um, I think of implied nude as like, hmm, let me think of a good example. Like, if I'm wearing a jacket and I clearly don't have a bra under it, um, and but I'm covered, like my chest is covered, like I'm implied being um, nude nude topless in the sense of like oh she's clearly like not wearing anything underneath that another way to do that is with like props so like um if I was holding trying to think there's this one beautiful nude model I saw do something like that where it was uh like backless so she clearly didn't have a top on implied nudity but shot from her back and then she had like this bunch of flowers that ended up covering like her butt but you could clearly tell she's not wearing anything so implied nude to me is like oh she's clearly not wearing anything under there or you would think maybe she's not maybe she's covered but like you would never be able to know as the subject because everything that would be like quote-unquote needed to be showing for full nudity so like full bust and full like um crotch would be covered so you wouldn't actually see it yeah for me um the the quintessential photo that comes to mind when I think of implied nude is a completely backless woman, which I think are gorgeous, gorgeous <laughs> photos. Um, but it's implying in the image that she is not wearing a top, just like you said. Um, so it gives that illusion. But for all we know, like she has those sticky bra cups on the front and has like a blanket over herself or something. It's it's often seen as a more elegant way to do nudity. Um, and I can see the argument for that. I think elegant isn't the, isn't a good term um, because I think full nude can absolutely be elegant as well. I think it's a, 
I think in censorship culture is seen as a, a little bit more demure and like classy, which I kind of hate, but like whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, I think too, a lot of models will be willing to do implied nudity and they don't want to do full nudity, which mm-hmm. is totally fine. That I think that's kind of why the genre of implied nude exists. Um, and I also think that Um, I think it's a really interesting thing from like a really far step back, um, object or like not coming up towards, it's a really interesting, um, perspective in my opinion, like it gives you the illusion, but it's not, I don't know. Well, that if you look at like, I think a good example is a lot of like fifties, uh, forties, either pinup or burlesque had a lot of like implied nudity because like is perfect for that yeah because like maybe they're they look like they're fully nude but they probably still have a pasty on you know like so I think there was like a very like beautiful way of doing that to where like a woman maybe didn't want to show her whole body but she could imply that she was and that's kind of like rewatched the movie burlesque with Christina Aguilera and Cher like three days ago and that's a it's lot so of good. I miss. I haven't seen that in so long. But that's, a, but you know, that's a perfect example of the when she's singing with the pearl outfit, the string, mm-hmm. and then it, it eventually gets taken off, and she just has the feathers in front of her. That's like perfect implied nudity because you would think, oh, she's naked under the feathers, but she could fully still have like a thong and like pasties on, but we wouldn't know because all we see is feathers. You know, like that's a good example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Burlesque has a lot of nude illusion or implied nudity in it. That's kind of part of the art of it. Or, yeah. It's like the tease of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think some people see implied nudity as being the same as nudity. Some people see it as uh, Luna is being so dramatic. I'm sorry. Um, Luna, it's not your fault. <laughs> we don't have any more words, okay? Um, I think that, you know, on the topic of nude photography and stuff, you just have to do what's best for you and not try and please anybody else. Because like I was saying, I mean, some people look at as implied nude as the exact same as nude. Some people see it totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can't please everybody. So make the decision that's best for you. And um, you'll have plenty of people that will, that will support it and make you feel good about your career decisions. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm sure there's so many other words. Um, These are just kind of the ones that were sent to us or came to our minds as ones that, like, I know I tried to think of ones that I hear kind of thrown around. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, if, if we got any of these incorrect, please let us know. Or if we really missed like a major one we should touch on, let us know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, yeah, I I couldn't think of a huge amount because I feel like, a lot of them can be kind of self-explanatory, so yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. And we did a whole episode on a book. We did a whole episode on your model bag. That was a while back, so like you can go totally revisit those episodes. Um, I almost forgot about the model bag episode. I wouldn't mind updating that one. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I've been <laughs> so weird, but I've been like refining my model bag because. I'm just sick of lugging so much along with me. So yeah. anyways, I think that'd be fun in the future. And if anyone listening has any like bonus episode ideas um, that are just kind of like short, let us know. Mm-hmm. 
we haven't done those in a while either. Nope. Uh, yeah, obsessions? Yeah. Okay. Um, I can go first. Oh, well, no. Okay, well, I finally watched Tiger King. Yes! It was very good um, and really worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, we, I pretty much, like, binged it. Um, of course, Carol Baskin totally killed her husband. Like, I totally, yeah. yeah. Like, she did. She totes did. Like, initially when that episode starts where they start talking about it, I was like, hmm, you know, like, maybe let's see how they lay it out. And then I'm like, ooh, girl, this doesn't look good for you. Like, it's oh, just... I don't think she did it. I think he just, like, wanted to get away. Like, I think he was like, I'm over this. But honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it's suspect. Like. Yeah. And also looking at it and being someone who's so into true crime, there's no way that they could like pin it on her because it'd be really subjective with evidence. Um, I more had an issue with the fact that they didn't seem to collect evidence in a very proper way to even like make a good conclusion on it. Like not even the fact that like, did she or not, did she or did she not do it? Like it was more like they didn't check stuff in time enough to even be able to like cross her off as a suspect. So then she just stayed as a suspect and it's like, well, I don't know. Karen, if you're listening, yeah. favorite murder, you guys should know. Like- so they should, they actually, what's the podcast that does like the really investigative to try and solve it? Someone Knows Something. I love Someone that. Someone Knows Something does it. And then there's a couple that will do like the people who made the happy face murders. They, that um, production group which I'm forgetting they also did the series murder in Oregon well they'll do just like series of one case um, yeah. but they will go deep into stuff like that also which is good okay so my obsession is I've been getting really into doing like home photo shoots mm-hmm. um, I've done a couple now at home and it's like kind of brought back a lot of motivation for me and just feeling creative um, it gives me something to do that's different than what I've been doing for the last 48 days of quarantine. Mm. Um, And then it's been fun doing like FaceTime shoots and stuff like that. And I copied you totally and sent at Mr. Johnny Mango, (laughs) who we talked about earlier, uh, pictures to edit. Mm -hmm. That's been kind of fun, like a cool way to connect with people. And yeah, yeah, you know, live in the quarantine, the quarantine I have another one. This is a new show that uh, a friend introduced me to. It's called Afterlife. It's on Netflix. It's um, stars. Oh, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, star directed and produced by Ricky Gervais. And it's very good. I mean, it made me cry. It's sad, but it's so good. (laughs) Ricky Gervais, I feel, um, shows that he's in are often funny, but like also just like so true they like hit real real. yeah 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 cool i'll have to watch that one i keep seeing it pop up yeah i think it's because they just did a or maybe netflix just just got the second season oh (laughs) Um, so yeah i'm i really appreciate everyone's patience with this episode and my dogs they're cute all right well thanks for listening guys <laughs> yeah thanks guys um keep saying out there i gotta go tend to these mutts and um yeah thanks for listening Bye. bye